What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Browner and Lawhead podcast here on the Mighty Air 1090 ESPN. I am John Browner, as always, joined by the one and only Jason Lawhead as we take you on a ride on the sports Monday through Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. And we have a show for you today, and the show for you today is going to be filled with predictions. It's going to be filled with fun. It's going to be filled with good times, as always. We say, we. by the time you get to us, you have already made up your mind about the news. We are here to have fun with the facts. And there are a lot of, lot of facts, a lot of facts we can have fun with coming up on these NFC and AFC uh, title games. And we're going to dig into something else a little bit as well uh, to start the show. But I want to start the show off, as always, inviting everyone to like, share, and subscribe the show on YouTube and on the iTunes podcast or under Kaplan and Crew. In addition to that, please continue listening on the Mighty 1090 ESPN as you drive on your in your car from the border to L.A. What's up, Jason? What up, man? Not much. Not much. What's going on with you? You know, I'll tell you, I, uh, I decided... Uh... Uh, that uh, this morning, after just kind of a thoughtful kind of discourse with myself oh. over over a little time here, uh, I said that to myself. I said, "Self." I said, "Self." You know what? Uh, I'm 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 done with Twitter. I'm off. Whoa! I I have said whoa, my whoa. final goodbye. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, I I just kind of feel like over time, and uh, it's just really be kind kind of become this. First off, the the engagements are down ever since the changeover, and mm-hmm. you have to pay for a blue check mark. And if you don't pay for a blue check mark, it doesn't matter if you got four followers. You pay for a blue check mark. If you don't, um, you know, content is just kind of suppressed. The engagement is just kind of dissolved from what it used to be and what it used to, you know, and the, and, you know, it's always had its depth of darkness, but I really feel that Twitter has gotten to this kind of just really just mental hospital overcrowded waiting room of a social media site. And, um, and I just don't like I just don't like what I'm kind of seeing and scrolling. And it's really just kind of become a waste of time with the lack of engagement and kind of all the other stuff and, you know, paying for a blue check mark just so you can get some engagement. I, I'm just that's not me. I'm not there. It's it's kind of become a waste of time. I don't see any benefits for it. I, I kind of looked back on it and thought, geez, I've been on this thing since what, 2010, my profile says, I think. And um, it's like I, you know, uh, just opened the account yesterday and have five followers. So um, I, I'm done. I, I'm, I'm going to start using the YouTube more to push the stuff that we're doing, the stuff that I'm doing. Um, whenever I have some Twitter thoughts, those kind of things that we'll post. Hey, I got Instagram. I've got Facebook where there's a decent following and, and a bit more positive engagement. You can kind of. Um, so anyway, that's just kind of something that, uh, I, it's kind of been a conversation I've had in my head for a little while. And I kind of just, uh, made the decision today to say goodbye, Twitter. Good luck, everybody. Uh, I hope that uh, you can kind of stay in the positive fun parts of it because it's really become a, a dark depth corner of uh, a microcosm of the, the, the kind of the negative and the ills of our society. So I don't know. That's something new. You know, you took us in a direction that I did not expect, but it is very good because that's a very good question. 
that we all should be asking about how social media is contributing to us and what we're using it for. I think the idea that you have pierced that is important is the level of engagement that has clearly been altered. Mm -hmm. it, Jack Smith and the people who originally created Twitter didn't create it with money in mind. Obviously they wanted to make money out of it because you don't put that much time into something you don't want to make money off of in this day and age. So they did. They made a lot of money off of it. He made a lot of money off of it. And now it's owned by a person who either wants to burn it to the ground or use it as a way to make a profit solely. Now he's done other things with it that I disagree with, but it's his, he's owned it. He owns it now. He can do whatever he wants with it. But the one thing I will tell you that I have noticed, and I mean, overwhelmingly have noticed engagement on Twitter is in the toilet. And if it is simply just whether you're buying a blue check mark or not, then that's not, that was never the original intent of the platform. And if anyone was paying attention, the only platforms that have actually grown exponentially are the ones that do not charge you to communicate. Like, like WhatsApp is the biggest, uh, uh, I want a chatting platform that we have. It's free globally. It's free. Facebook. You could, there's features on it where it can cost you money if you want to do certain things or if you want to, if you're a business or you're sure. some type of personality where you want to reach more people, there's a way that you can do that financially by reaching out to them. Instagram, same thing. I don't know. I don't, I'm not on TikTok, so I don't know how TikTok financially operates, but I'm not on TikTok either. The way that these companies grew these businesses and then added the financial platform to it. Okay, but the, the original level of engagement was never solely based on whether or not you're paying. I I need Twitter for business, for this show, for gathering I, content. I, I thought I did too, but I don't. See <laughs> I, I know I really did. I and I kinda I kinda made that I kinda you know made that kind of the idea to stay on Twitter. Mm -hmm. But the more and more like, you know, over time. I, there would be accounts that I would mute because I'm like, oh god, I don't, even want, I don't even follow this account. I don't even want to see it. I'd mute it, and I keep seeing it. I keep seeing yep. the stuff that I don't yep. want to see, and you know, the stuff that I'm engaging with, the stuff that I really want to follow. A lot of the sports stuff, very few news sources, but a lot of sports stuff, a lot of comedy stuff. It's just not, it's not available to me. So it's a waste of my time. I, I'm, I'm all for something that provides me something or can contribute, but. It's not, and I'm wasting my time. I'm literally going, why am I here wasting my time? This time is valuable. I, I learned that as I Correct. got older. I'm, I'm 50. Um, this is useful time. I mean, I look forward to the time I spend with you. I look forward to the time, uh, you know, I get to sit in on the Kaplan and crew. I look forward to the time I get to do stand up and promote those things and get engagement from those things and traction and, and people. Um, but it, it's become literally a waste of time so i'm not going to worry about oh am i going to miss out on content or you know people figure finding out whether i'm going to be at this venue or what we i don't care there's there's other areas to get that out i'm going to use youtube more uh short reels uh any other kind of the tweets and the thoughts that i had that might have been a funny tweet 
um, I'm just going to do little live videos and post little short reels and stuff like that and try to engage that way and uh, hit the people that want to see that kind of stuff through YouTube or Instagram reels and Facebook posts, whatever. Um, I mean, I think, so, yeah. I, I think you're not the you're not the only one abandoning Twitter. You're not. You're not. No, I'm not. I, I didn't invent this, of course. No, I. Uh, and but I think, I'm, I'm. But I'm doing it for my own reasons. I, I'm. I'm articulating and I'm expressing the reasons why. I've just come to the point where it's like, wh what am I doing? I mean, this is this is so stupid. When we are, when we're in a position to ask that question, what are we doing? That applies to more than just people's exhaustion on Twitter. So for those of you who may or may not follow, um, historically black colleges have been uh, of the last, I think, three or four years. The NBA has really highlighted a partnership with them. And the NFL is really kind of doing the same thing. And so the, the, the focus of taking HBCUs and trying to funnel more finances into the program so they can then compete with schools on a higher level to promote black education and the educational system in general amongst historically black colleges has really put us in a interesting position with some of the people who've taken the jobs. Eddie George has taken a job. He's done a good job, but he's done a good job quietly. Deion Sanders took the job and took the job with a megaphone and dropped an atomic bomb on the HBCUs and, and announced himself. And it went over really well with, for him, but he's a one of one. Ed Reed, also took the job at Bethune-Cookman either late November, early December, one of the two. Ed Reed has now been, uh, I don't want to say fired, but they didn't finalize his contract because what many believe to be his criticism of the HBU system, his criticism of the administration and the upper management at Bethune-Cookman. I'm explaining these things to you so I can give you my personal opinion. I'm telling you the facts about the situation before I have the fun with my opinion about what is currently happening at that HBCU and those and all HBCUs. Deion Sanders was right to leave Jackson State. He had given Jackson State all he could give Jackson State, and the people in the seats of administration at Jackson State never really wanted someone in the room bigger than them. And that's what's happening with Ed Reed. I honestly believe that they are. there are people at Bethune-Cookman who want to make sure Ed Reed knows his place. They want to make sure that this big NFL superstar can't come into our HBCU family, can't come into our university and dog us like Deion Sanders did because he ain't Deion. I have good news and bad news. One, you won't have to worry about it anymore, Bethune-Cookman. Good luck having somebody of knowledge and 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 proper uh, status take that job. You were in the dump for a reason, Jackson State. You were in the dump for a reason. The HBCUs are in a dump for a reason. If you think that the HBCUs deserve the position that they're in, then you like me. Then you need to look at the people who are running the HBCUs. There are a lot of things in this country are underfunded. Look at where the funding's going. It's always to the administration. Why does the print why does the, the president at an HBCU need to be making six figures if there's no security on campus? Like Ed Reed was literally telling people there are crackheads walking through college campuses at Bethune Cookman with there's no security. 
Where's the safety? We do a lot of conversations about school shootings and and, and how do we keep guns out of the hands of, of people? What about keeping security in places to prevent accidents? What about prevention? This idea that Ed Reed was telling y'all that the administrative buildings are far more funded than the athletic facilities. They're far more funded than the classrooms that these kids are sitting in. All Ed Reed was doing was shining a light on what a lot of black people don't necessarily know the inner workings because people who donate to HBCUs, they do it blindly. And so now a person on the ground literally picking up trash with his football team because there's no one else there to do it. Shines a light on that and shows you that the administration isn't doing their job because you've got broken windows on buildings on campus that have been broken for a while. Y'all want to fire Ed Reed because y'all say he's down to talking to universities. Good luck. Good luck. Because I can tell you right now, it doesn't matter how low you are, you always have find people in power who want to feel higher than someone else. And this is why we can't get along. This is why people struggle in our society. Because no matter how low you go, there's a person a notch above that person who thinks they're better somehow. And that's the problem with HBCUs. And if you went to an HBCU and you disagree, you can call me all kind of names you want. But I know what I'm looking at. I know what I'm reading. I don't need to go to one. One person is live streaming from it. He's telling you what he's seen, and he's employed by them or was employed by them. Who went to the University of Miami, who knows what it should look like. Went to the University of Miami in its heyday. He knows what it should look like. Deion Sanders has been around. He knows what it should look like. So they know when it doesn't look right. And they know when it doesn't feel right. And if you want to chastise them for speaking out about that or saying that they abandoned it when they wouldn't meet the standards that Deion Sanders took Jackson State to, when the administration didn't want to meet the standards in which Jackson State had been risen to by Deion Sanders, he left, and you're going to blame him. Come on, man. What are we doing? When Ed Reed is simply trying to raise the standard of what you should expect at a historically black college, y'all get mad at him. Why? Why? A person who's been there, a person who's done it, a person who has seen what it should look like is telling you, this ain't it. This ain't it. And y'all going to fire him. Good luck. Good luck. Yeah, you know, um, you're shining a light on this to me, mostly. I mean, I had heard that he had made the, uh, I, you know, heard that he was hired when Air he quotes. was hired, but there was, uh, you know, obviously there wasn't a, a, a complete deal in place. And I'm kind of learning this story uh, as it goes. And um, your your kind of rant there, your, your uh, heartfelt rant, very, very impressive, by the way, partner. Um it shines a little bit more light and from just the little things I've kind of, you know, tried to bring myself up to speed on, uh, you know, they you know, it's kind of like they're ganging up on Ed Reed here a little bit. Yes. And, um, and, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to obviously do a little bit more research into the story, obviously, but wherever there's anything there has, you know, the, 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 
it doesn't matter if it's a college, if it's the NFL from the, the ownership groups down, if it's a if it's a nonprofit organization that's trying to raise money to fight cancer. There's always a power struggle somewhere. And when there's power to be either relinquished or to be uh, exposed, the powers that be will go to any and all great lengths to try to hold on to that grip, that power. And um, <clears throat> this seems to be one of those cases where uh, Ed Reed you know, was it a, I'm trying yeah. even if it doesn't feel like he's trying to take someone down, that someone that is responsible for what he's exposing mm-hmm. feels, you know, either threatened or paranoid to that effect. And that person convinces a couple below them, like, well, if they, if this happens and you're gone and I'm gone and we're all gone. Da, 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 da. So, um, well said. I'm going to research this a little bit more. It's probably a big loss, I would say, for Bethune-Cookman. Um, and, you know, I think if Ed Reed, uh, you know, by all kind of reports, was doing what he was doing, he was doing it for, you know, trying to bring a positive influence mm-hmm. to a place where he felt like this was going to be my home. I want my home. <laughs> to feel like a home for others so I can recruit here and, and we can build something. So mm-hmm. it's too bad. I think they lost out on a great, you know, a great pick here. This, is, this has been one of the things within the black community that there's a large from the black people that I know, because I can't obviously speak for every black person within the black community, in which I know and the people who have I spoken to and the people who I have back and forth about these kind of things, there's a massive struggle within prominent black people putting their names on things ran and represented by black people. Because once you do that, whatever they've done wrong or will do wrong, they won't talk about the AD. They won't talk about the school president. They'll talk about Ed Reed. They won't talk about the school president. They won't talk about the AD. They'll talk about Deion Sanders. Any Jackson State story that becomes popular or Bethune-Cookman story that would populate in the news sector, it would all come back to Ed Reed. So just like the same thing, and the same thing happens to Nick Saban at Alabama. Same thing happens to Kirby Smart at Georgia. The most powerful person on the campus receives the most praise and gets the most blame. Even if they have nothing to do with it, they have to answer a question about it because that's what that's the title. And so if you bring in Ed Reed, He's going to then bring in other people. He's going to then bring in other donors. He's then going to bring in other people within the black community who won't take the time to invest in the HBCU. They're going to trust Ed Reed is doing the right thing with what they're going to give Ed Reed. And that's what these people don't understand. Because if you could get the checks, you wouldn't need Ed Reed. Mm-hmm. You could get the checks. You wouldn't need Eddie George. You wouldn't need Deion Sanders. If the AD, if the if the president of the school, right. if the head of the HBCUs could do that, you wouldn't need these men to come in from high-profile pos- names and positions to coach your football programs to raise awareness because you would have done your job in doing that. And so now when we look at these same people, then criticizing people like Deion Sanders and then firing people like Ed Reed, for, then, for, for trying to raise the standard. We got to, 
we 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 gotta we gotta do better as black people when we're asking prominent black people to give their time, which is worth way more than their money, to put their name on something, which is worth way more than their money, to stop being so soft. If every criticizing things around the building, meet with him, walk out there with him and pick up some trash. Walk out there with him, repair a window. Show unity. Show unity from the top down as opposed to trying to scream down on somebody and try to gang up on somebody from a position that's higher because he hadn't signed a contract yet. Look, man, it's a, it's a crabs in a barrel situation. It always has been because for some reason at HBCUs, they still have not absorbed that there is enough to go around. We just got to work, work together to spread it. And Deion Sanders and Ed Reed were doing that. Look at the thanks Deion Sanders got for it. And look at the thanks Ed Reed got for it. Now tell me another prominent one that's going to sign up to, for an ass kicking. Which one? We'll, we'll, I don't know, but, you know, somebody will have a good heart and try it. We got so much more left on the show. I had to get that off my chest. Brown and Lawhead when we come back on the Myers United ESPN. Welcome back to Browner and Lawhead. I think I am calm now. Monday through Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m., John Browner, Jason Longhead, right here on the Mightier 1090 ESPN. We are referring to it as the mega market, baby. I, I, uh, I, I, I go into detail about what happened with Ed Reed and Patoon Cookman, and it just, you know, it fires me up. I love it. it Preach, brother. Jason, it, was like going to, it was like hearing gospel. And Jason has now quit Twitter. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, I would have tweeted about all that, but I, I I'm, I'm not. You're not doing it no more. I ain't doing that. There's a huge weekend coming up in college football, but before we get to that, as always, you guys can like, share, and subscribe to the show on YouTube and on the iTunes Podcast Store by going to Kaplan and Crew Brown and Lawhead. We are within Kaplan and Crew. We're part of the Great Friends Podcast Network. Oh man, listen, the news is in. Time to have some fun with the facts that are the AFC and NFC championship games. If you follow the show and if you don't, welcome. We're going to break down the championship version of John's list. That's right. For those of you who are new to the game show, what we do, Jason and I will take the quarterback, the skilled positions, the defense, and the coach. We will say which one is better and which team that we think will win. Now, if you're wondering, does this really work? Last week, Jason chose the Bengals, correct. The Chiefs, correct. You you took New York, thirty to thirty-one. Uh, you know, you always got to throw a you always got to throw an upset in there, right? I mean, since correct. we've been doing this since the playoffs, I'm eight and two, and my least confident picks were the only two that lost, which was Tampa against Dallas. I just thought the Cowboys would cowboy a week earlier before they cowboyed. <laughs> And I just, I don't know, I got sold, maybe caught up in the Giants kind of like, oh, and I love Saquon Barkley and the way they played. And I mm-hmm. I just kind of felt like I needed an upset that weekend, but um, obviously they were outmatched. But and, I also then and he got San Francisco Right, you got San Francisco, correct. I went McDermott and Buffalo, wrong, way wrong. Kansas City got that one right. I went Philly. And I went San Francisco. So people, it works if you it, it works if you John's list, okay? If you're mm-hmm. if you're in a betting world, you should probably John's list, man. Do your own list or whatever your name is and just call it a list. But we prefer if you call it John's list and then hashtag it, but Jason won't see it because he's no longer on Twitter. Let's go to the first game. 49ers, Eagles. This ooh, ooh, this one right here. 
this is a very even matchup. So I'm very interested to see where where your where your mm-hmm. your side lies, Jason. First up, quarterback. I'm going to take Jalen Hurts. I think the year that he's had, when you look back at the the end of the year of last year, carrying over, I think so. What is he? 14, 15, and one. I think he won. His starting record is absurd. Six of his last eight going. I think he's like something like 20 and out of his last 22 or 23, something like that. Um, The the display that he put on against uh, the Giants, um, you know, after that bye week, he played them in the last week without their starters. Um, got his feet back and then had the bye week. There was questions about him coming in, and I thought he just led an attack uh, that was relentless. Obviously, the Giants were overmatched, but uh, uh, you know, I'm not that has no knock on Brock Purdy. Uh, Brock Purdy's done everything the 49ers have needed him to do, but I do like Jalen Hurts. I like his legs, I like his ability to get the ball to the big play weapons that he has. And, uh, you know, uh, they've look, the proof's in the pudding. I mean, this guy's an MVP candidate. He's going to be right up there with votes with Mahomes. It could go either way. And uh, I like Jalen Hurts in this one. Hmm. I think everybody Mm. knows where I stand. Yeah. And that pause was for dramatic effect. Okay. I was like, wait a minute. You've kind of been. (laughs) It's the Eagles. Okay. I'm poo-pooing. I'm poo-pooing Brock Purdy. Uh, seven days a week and twice on Sunday, man. Interesting fact. You know, they faced each other in college. Oh, my God. Oklahoma 42, Iowa State 41. Brock Purdy threw five touchdown passes and a one-point loss. Did you really have to bring that up on this show? I'm just saying. Do you know how many times I have heard this brought up? I'm just saying. So you're basically telling me he's already beaten Brock Purdy. I'm not. No, 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 no. I'm just saying to say poo-poo on Brock Purdy, I think is a little bit – I think that's a little – Kind of, you know, uh, strong to say poo-poo on Brock Purdy, but what Brock Purdy's been able to do, because what Brock Purdy's doing right now is what Jalen Hurts did last year for the Philadelphia Eagles. Just going to say that. A lot of people were, what are you doing, Hurts? I mean, it got Peterson ran out of town going and going to bat for Hurts. So so let me get this straight. So because of a college football game. No. not, what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, he stacked right up performance-wise with Hertz in that game against in a, in a in a team that's looked down to be a lesser program, you know, lesser types of uh, Sunday talent on the field in Iowa State. When you look at all the other, uh, you know, intangibles, Iowa, Oklahoma's going to put more guys in, on the field on Sunday than an Iowa State will. What I'm saying is, is to poo-poo him is he's done this year a sample size of what what Jalen Hurts did last year, getting Philadelphia out of the box and being the guy that they could go, hey, he's our guy. Like, we don't have to worry about whether he's our guy or not. I think Purdy has at least proved for 49ers, players and fans, that he can be the guy, whether he beats Hurts this Sunday or not, to roll them back next year and be the guy that makes them even better um, like Hurts did. That's all. Skill positions. Who you got? I'm going to go draw on this one because I, I really okay. like, you know, I re- obviously, you know, <laughs> Philly has them all over, but so does the the 49ers. I mean, you know, when you got that three-headed monster, McCaffrey at running back, Debo at wide receiver, who can do all kinds of different things out of the slot, out of the backfield, Kittle, the way he's just been, I mean, he's been right up there. He's had this type of season, a Kelsey-type season. 
So, you know, even with all the all the great weapons out on the edge and and the running game that Philly has and with Hurts on his feet, I I'm going to call it a draw. I'm going to give going? I'm going to give a centimeters edge to the 49ers. Ooh, okay. That that shocks me. I thought you would have went Philly on that one. This is why I like AJ Brown. I love Devontae Smith. I really do. Yeah. That's I mean, but I I for what you're going to for the bang for the buck. Okay. The idea of if we switched quarterbacks, how much better would it look? If you put Jalen Hurts with Debo Samuel, with Brandon Ayuk, with Kittle, with Kirsten McCaffrey, with uh Elijah Mitchell. I think I I think you would see a I think you would see what they wanted Trey Lance to do with this offense. And I think the idea that Miles Sanders stacked anywhere in the same category with Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell, okay. But I I, I think that it always boils down to me two things. One, who's the best player on the field? Will it be somebody on defense or will it be somebody on offense? And I think Christian McCaffrey is the best football player that will take the field on Sunday. So with that, that's why I give them the centimeters edge because I do like Miles Sanders. And I do th- mm-hmm. and I do think AJ Brown and I do think Devontae Smith, I think they're wide receivers. Gainwell, that kid's no that Gainwell kids know right. you gotta keep keep an eye on him. So I think they have I think they have headline guys and I think they have guys who are fantastic in their roles or they wouldn't be at this point. But I just think 40 the 49ers have the game breakers. Yeah. To win the game, I don't know if they will be able to get the job done, but I know that they have them. Um, defense, who you got? It's tough. You know, I mean, Philadelphia—they're historic. They've got this. You know, what are they? Third most sacks in, in NFL history. history. Yeah. Um, they, you know, but then you see the way uh, Phil, or you know, um, San Francisco played at, at that speed and the level they hit and mm-hmm. the level they contain and they don't get greedy. They never, they only sacked Dak once for not even a loss. They didn't get greedy in that game plan. They Correct. didn't go try to like throw Dak out of the game early. And you know, they just, so part of me feels like, and the other thing is, is what, what I worry about with Philly is this, you know, sm- you know, they, 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 they played the giants. You know, they've had a bye week and they played the Giants. Um, you know, the 49ers played a, a divisional opponent for the third time, shook them off in the second half, mm-hmm. played a team where a lot of people thought was good enough to get to a Super Bowl. And played good game. enough and played and good enough to win the game. So I don't know. You know, I mean, it's hard to say the 49ers because of the Eagles numbers and all that kind of stuff. But I, I just feel like with Fred Warner and Nick Bosa now, but news is out. Uh, what's his name? Got arrested for domestic violence. I think he'll be on the field. It's a misdemeanor. He said, she said, Wait, who did? uh, uh, only own How do you say his name? Only, uh, Oh, he going to play. Oh, he going to play. Yeah, he'll play. He play. So I'm going to give it to the 49ers by a slight edge for what they've proven in the last two years. This will be a big match. You know, I think the Eagles had easy work against that offense last week compared to what uh, the 49ers have seen in the first two games. But I'm going to give a slight, slight, slight edge to the 49ers for just kind of what they've proved. Whew, listen, I got to give this to the Eagles. 
I, I, mean, I got to give it's it probably to the a Eagles. draw, actually. <laughs> and I, but I'm, but again, here's another slight variation. I'm slightly giving it to the Eagles because, as bad as I think the NFC would, uh, NFC East was, I thought that the defense that they, the defense was so good against offenses. I don't recall the Eagles being in a lot of shootouts, and that's a good trademark of a f- great defense. You don't get in a lot of shootouts, even though your offense scores a lot of points. The Eagles offense scored a lot of points. I don't remember the Eagles being in shootout after shootout after shootout because no. their defense can carry their own weight. And I and I, it, it, I'm giving this edge to the defense because I think I know what they're going to do against Brock Purdy. I think they. I think the sack number that they represent is four different guys with double-digit sacks. That's very difficult to plan for. And I love the offensive line of the 49ers. But when you've got that many guys getting double-digit sacks, I think that's going to create a large problem. And I, 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 I don't know how we're going to uh, uh, see that go any other way. Uh, Coach. I'm going to go with the 49ers. Something about Sirianni in that last game, I think he was a little too cocksure. I Woo, think there's he was a little dancing, bit of wasn't he? I think there's a little too much of that. I like the way Shanahan stays level-headed. I like the way Shanahan just goes about business. I'm going to take Kyle Shanahan, and I think if there might be a difference in this game, I think if there might be a big, big difference in this game because so much of that stuff has been either a centimeter from you or me or a draw – I think this is going to be, this could be the difference. If this, if this 49ers are going to win on the road and beat this Philadelphia team, I think the difference is probably going to be Kyle Shanahan over Sirianni. I'm taking, I'm taking Kyle Shanahan as well. I think Kyle Shanahan is a mastermind on the offensive end. I think that he's going to develop a game plan to protect Brock Purdy from Brock yep. Purdy and protect Brock Purdy from the, the, the four guys with 10 sacks. Mm-hmm. So as much as, as much as we make so much of the players on the field, a lot of game planning goes into that. And they've got two guys on the, on the 49ers staff that are up for head coaching jobs. So they've got bright guys over there making decisions on both sides of the ball. D'Amico Ryan is one of the guys I'm speaking of. So I'm going to go with the 49ers just because I think that Kyle Shanahan is the guy um, when it comes to versus Nick Sirianni. I like a coach with his chest out, but not that much. Like, I mean, come on, bro. Uh, final score. I'm going to take the Niners, man. I just I just feel like, uh, you know, I've got money riding on them too since November. But I'm going to take the Niners. I just feel like they're in, they're just in it to win it right now. I'm going to take the Niners 24, Eagles 23. Slight difference. Kyle Shanahan gets it done. I'm going to take the Eagles. Ooh, okay. I'm going to take the Eagles 28. I love when we disagree. I'm going to take the Eagles 28 to 14. Wow. Here's why. Wow. You think Purdy's going to blow up? I think Dallas, I think Dallas had the 49ers on the mat. I really do. And Dak could not come through for them. And it wasn't because the 49ers defense, Dak couldn't come through. Dak couldn't come through because he's Dak. And I think when Jerry Jones sees what the, the Eagles do to this defense, He's probably going to be a little more mad than he was on Monday morning. Hmm. So okay. I, I like the Eagles because I believe as much as the 49ers are going to want to run the ball, and I think they're going to have a little bit of success. 
that doesn't win games anymore like it used to. And so I think they're going to be able to score, but I don't think it's going to be to the tune of what the Eagles are going to be able to do because as well as the Dallas Cowboys played, they did keep them to 19 points. Mm-hmm. And that's with the two turnovers, they only scored 19 points. Mm-hmm. And they kept trying to run, trying to run, trying to run, and it just wasn't working. And I think when you try that against Philadelphia, you're going to now be doing it after they've scored 14 points. They've scored 17 points. And now you're in a throw mode with Brock Purdy, and that's where you don't want to be. I think at some point, the 49ers are going to be forced to stop running it due to time and due to score. I think that's when the, the top's going to come off on, on Brock Purdy, and I'll be proven right and everyone else will be proven I- wrong. I think if the Philadelphia Eagles are going to win this game, it's got to be the recipe you've predicted. I will say that. Now we got six minutes left to, to okay. go through the next we'll game. Through this one, sure. we got to blow through this one without yep. much detail. Quarterback, Chiefs, Chiefs, Bengals. Quarterback, who you got? Well, one minute. I, I, I'm gonna. You're gonna. I'm gonna sound crazy, but I'm gonna pay with the three wins in a row and the bad high ankle sprain. I'm gonna take Joe, Joe Burrow. Wow. Okay. I am. I'm gonna take Patrick Mahomes. For no reason other than I, I think he's better. I think he's better this year. I think he's better this year than he was last year. I know Joe Burrow didn't get the MVP looks because of the way that the team started off, and then he was hurt, and the numbers just didn't look as good. But Patrick Holmes, Patrick Mahomes' consistency with all new wide receivers and running backs, I'm going Patrick Mahomes. Skill position. Oh, I think the 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 Bengals have the best you know left in the in the you know with the way they can spread the ball, the way Mixon is good and can run it on first down, especially with you know I don't think Kansas City's anywhere near as physical as Baltimore, uh, you know, and the way they ran it on first down against Buffalo all, all the time, getting chunk yardage. I like I like and everybody he can throw the ball to and who goes and gets the ball. I like the Bengals. Me too, man. Listen, <laughs> I like Isaiah. I like Pacheco. I like sure. I like Kelsey. I love what he's been able to do with uh, uh, um, the kid with three names that came from Pittsburgh. Juju Smith. Yeah, I I love what Patrick Mahomes has been able to do with this new set of guys. But at the end of the day, I'm a give me the guy guy. Jamar Chase is the guy, mm-hmm. and T Higgins ain't that far behind. And mm-hmm. if that gets bogged down for whatever reason, Joe Mixon. Physical. They're physical on offense. They've got the big playmaker. They've got the Tyreek Hill that the Kansas City Chiefs don't have anymore in Chase. Then they've got physical guys. Hayden Hurst at tight end. Higgins at wide receiver. Mixon at running back. P. Ryan at running back. I mean, they hit you coming off the line of scrimmage and and yards. So that's why I like them. The only thing that gives me pause about that offense is that it was stifled against against Baltimore. It did not look great against Baltimore, but it it rebounded. It's It's got them behind them. That's a physical it, football team. It, Kansas City's not that physical. It looked real good against Baltimore. It looks real good against uh, uh, Buffalo, though. But Buffalo's got his problems. See, and this, and this, this, this had me into a see. I can't get drunk off what I saw the Giants, the Philadelphia do against the Giants. I also can't get too drunk off what I saw the the the, the Bengals do to the Bills. But I'm such a huge Jamar Chase guy. I'm giving this to them because I think he. I think Jamar Chase is the best player on the field. And yep. so I'm, I'm giving it to them. Defense. 
I'm going to go Bengals, man. The way they proved that they can, you know, they outlasted, they, they, their defense stepped up and beat the Baltimore defense, which should have won that game. Their defense is what smothered Josh Allen and, and Stephon Diggs and made life miserable for them. Uh, they beat this team three straight times, Kansas City, twice in Kansas City, last time last year. The way this defense has responded, the way they've been able to, to, to kind of neuter the big play guys, I think Kelsey will get his 10 or 11 or 12 catches, but I don't think it'll be enough. I'm gonna go Bengals as well. I I like I, I like the Chiefs defense, but the no names on the Bengals defense they won me over, man. Yeah, they won me over, they... man. They really did. They pounded they pounded the Ravens in the submission, and then they pounded the 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 you know Jamar Hamlin in the stands. The emotion of Buffalo. The we haven't lost a home playoff game to, since '90. Fill in the blank, and they just went in there and said, "Yep." Yep, yep, take this, pow, and then take this, pow. Oh, and take this, pow, and that's on the defensive end. Like, they they took Josh Allen out of the game, and I don't know if it was because of their game plan or was it because of their, their physical play on the field, but they did it, and I, I respect them for it. Coach. Coach Andy Reid, and if the Chiefs are going to pull this one out, he's going to get the game ball. He's a great coach. He's on the short list of one of the greats of all time. I love way, the way Zach Taylor has coached this team, and he's let his assistants make the you know, D.C. and the O.C. and everybody, you know, trust each other. Um, I really do, and that's why they're in this game again. I think Zach Taylor has a lot of a lot of credit for that, but Andy Reid's on the short list, and if he can get what he can get out of an injured Mahomes, it'll be the reason they win this game will be because Andy Reid was ready and he was uh, he he was on fire and he'll he'll get the game ball. But uh, I'm going Bengals in 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 the in the prediction if that's what you want to hear there. Uh, I'm going Chiefs on defense. I mean, I'm going Chiefs on coaching because I mean that's self-explanatory. Of course. Um, so give me a score. Bengals. Bengals. Bengals thirty. Chiefs twenty-six. Thirty twenty-six. Bengals. Yep. I just don't think Mahomes is going to be healthy enough, and I just think that 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 Bengals defense is solid enough, and I think Joe Burrow is solid enough, and all the weapons that they have, and I just think they're humming right now, man. They can beat you in a high-scoring game. They can beat you in a low-scoring game. They're going to have the defense win it. They're going to have the offense win it. Um, that's just They're just really good. I think I think the Chiefs win a revenge game. Ooh. 31-28 on the last-second field goal. And I think, I think the – I think this rivalry between these two quarterbacks is just the beginning. It really is. But I also think Patrick Mahomes is going to write his name in the history books. Going to have to. Brown and Lawhead, see y'all next week. Peace.